The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. For those who don't know me, my name is Shane and I have the privilege this morning of preaching as we finish this series that we have been in called Freed 2. And we talk about this every week that we have been freed from a lot of things, sin, death, Satan, but we've also been freed to stuff. And we're going to keep saying this, not just to remind you, but we think this is important to understand. As God's people, we are called to live a certain way, to be set apart. And so this morning, we are landing this plane looking at freed to abide, or or probably more better understood, we have the privilege of abiding with God, of being with God, being in relationship with God, speaking to God, hearing from God. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. I think this is probably one of the most outrageous truths of Christianity, that we can talk to God, that we can be in a relationship, creator and creation, not just as master and servant, but as father and son, father and daughter. And so I'm about to pray again in the moment, but I want us to understand what is actually happening here. There is this being that is above all things, who created everything that we see and everything that we don't see. He created the heavens and the earth, the seas, the mountains, the atoms. He created love and consciousness. He created rationality. He created you and he created me. There's this being out there that's all powerful and all knowing. And right now, I'm going to talk to him. I'm about to speak to him. You know, like that's crazy, but that's true. And what's more crazy than that is that this being is going to listen to me. He's going to incline his ear towards me. That's what happens when we pray. God above all things draws near. And so would you talk with God uh, with me right now? Lord, thank you that you are all powerful, that you are all knowing, but that you are all loving. God, we know that you are good. And so we just pray this morning that our hearts might be encouraged to abide in you all the more. That our minds might be open to understand what it means to abide in you and that we might walk more and more by the power of your spirit as we enter into our days and our lives, being motivated by your love towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. When we, when we think about this word abide, I don't know about you, but me, I go straight to the disciple John. Like not only did he walk closely with Jesus, but he seems to love this word abide all through his writings. If you look at the Gospel of John, you see it appears about 40 times in there. In John's epistles, it appears about another 27 times. And probably most famously understood or heard is in John 15, where Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Where he's talking about this I am statement of I am the true vine. And so I want to look at this passage right now. John 15 says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like the branches and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown in the fire and burned. 
If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be in you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. There is a lot going on in this passage, this metaphor of this vine and the branches and the vine dress. So there is branches being thrown away and burnt. There is commandments, there is love, there is fruit being produced and not produced. But what seems to be the overarching theme, probably the most overbearing theme in this is that of abiding. Abide in me. Jesus says, abide in me, abide in me, abide in my love, abide in my word as I abide in you. And so that's what I want to rest in. That's what I want to look at today. What does it actually mean for us to abide in Jesus? How do we abide in Jesus? It appears 10 times in just 11 verses, abide, abide, abide. And so if we look at this word abide, uh, we understand that it's also translated as remain or stay or continue. And so when Jesus says, abide in me and I in you, saying remain in me, stay in me. And what I think ultimately Jesus is talking about when he is saying, hey, remain in me, stay in me, is two things. I think this encompasses two realities that we have as Christians. Firstly, our union with Christ. That those who have placed their faith in Jesus are now found in Christ and he in us. That we can rest in our union with Christ. But then secondly, I think he's talking about our communion with Christ how we relate to God, how we interact with God, how we commune with Him. But first, I think it's very necessary that we start this fundamentally by understanding that union. That those who place their faith in Jesus are now found in Him and He in us. You see, you would only encourage somebody to remain in a race that they were already in, right? Or stay in a job that they were already in. In. And so when we hear God say, hey, remain, abide in me, as Christians, we understand that we are already in him. He is commanding us to stay in me. And we do this by the same way that we got in him, not by our own efforts, but by his grace, by his mercy towards us. That's fundamentally what it means when Jesus says, abide in me. Hey, stay in me. You didn't get here on your own accord. A branch didn't work its way up and then connect itself to the vine. It's just there. It grew out of that place. Jesus is saying, hey, remain in me. If you're a Christian here this morning, you place your faith in Jesus, your position now is in Christ and He in you. And this means so many amazing things. We just don't have time to look at today. What it does mean is that, hey, our souls are secure in Christ. And so we can come to Jesus knowing that truth that we have union with Christ. It's one of the most amazing truths of Christianity. 1 John 4, 15 says this, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. This is fundamental to everything we do as Christians, understanding our union with Christ, that we have been saved, that we've been called, that we have been adopted into his family. This is what it means to abide in Christ. Abiding is resting in Jesus resting in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, 
Resting in the sufficiency of Jesus for our situations and circumstances. Resting in the power of the Holy Spirit as he sanctifies us. It's what it means to abide, to rest in him. And what I don't want to do and what I think I've seen done many times with this passage is water down abiding or weaken abiding to just spiritual disciplines. That's what I don't want to do this morning because I don't think that's it. And yes, while we need to be praying and reading our Bible, what I think is fundamental to understand here is that abiding in Christ begins by understanding our union in Him. If we come at Christianity believing it's all about doing the right thing, if abiding is just making sure that we do our spiritual disciplines, then we're going to strive over and over again to make sure we're producing fruit, that we're abiding enough, that we're praying enough, that we're reading enough. And we're just going to live in fear that, oh no, if I'm not producing enough fruit, maybe I'm going to get thrown away or cast and burnt off. And that's not Christianity. That's not what we believe here. We don't believe that we are saved by our works. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus. And so our abiding in Christ rests fundamentally on our union with Him, that He has brought us into His family because He loves us. See, Jesus said in verse 3, Already you are clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Already you are clean. So stay in me. See, when we understand abide this way, we get clarity around those verses that talk about, hey, this branch isn't bearing fruit. It's thrown away and this branch gets burnt. And we don't have time to to, to dig into this right now, but what I do think is we need some clarity around this because when we understand that abiding in Christ means those who have placed their faith in Jesus. Jesus is here is talking about two different branches that are both in some way attached to the vine, right? There's one branch that is attached to the vine that looks like it has life, but on the inside, it's not producing fruit. And so it dies. And then there is a branch that is abiding in the vine, getting its life source from the vine. And we believe that that those branches are those who have placed their faith in Jesus, that abide in Jesus, that get their life from Jesus And those branches that die and wither and producing no fruit have chosen not to do that. So we come to this understanding that, hey, our abiding in Christ is resting in Him. It's not another thing we have to do as Christians. It's just resting in Him. And while it does encompass spiritual disciplines, what Jesus wants us to understand is, hey, you are already in me. If you're a Christian here this morning, Can I I encourage you, rest in Jesus. Rest in the fact that he has saved you. That you are now found in him. We need to be careful because for some of us, we can look around the room or we can go through our lives uh, judging other Christians based on their fruit. And we need to not do this because there are those out there that look great. They say the right thing. They do the right thing. They know their Bible And yet on the inside, they're dead and they're not producing fruit. And then there's those even in the room here that might feel dead, they might look dead. We might look at them and go, well, there's no fruit in them. But you know what else looks dead? A branch that has been pruned. We all know that neighbor who's just got the chopper out and cut their branches down way too low. And we're like, bro, you just killed that bush, right? 
But that's what some of us as Christians look like. Not because we are dead, but because the Lord is pruning us. And why does he prune them? Because they bear fruit, so they might bear more fruit. So as Christians, we don't act like the vine dresser. We don't look around and judge those based on what we think their fruit is. And then we talk about fruit. Sometimes we think it's building a big church or running a rally to save the most people. But we know as we look to God's word, hey, it's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives, the character of Christ in us. And so our abiding in Christ is fundamentally based on our union in Christ. We can rest in our union, but also I think we need to enjoy our communion with him. One of the greatest things that we get from being found in Christ is that we can be with Christ, that we can have communion with Jesus, that we can talk to him, that he can listen to us, that we can walk with him as he walks with us. This is one of the greatest things. Union with Christ without communion with Christ is joyless Christianity. Let me say it again. Union with Christ without communion with Christ is joyless Christianity. Imagine if I uh, got married to Lauren, which I did. Um, but after we got married, I just decided, hey, I don't want to actually talk to you anymore, right? I don't want to listen to anything else you have to say. Like I knew enough about her to, to marry her, but then from then on, I'm like, that's enough. I don't, I don't need anything else. Like, what kind of relationship would that be, right? And yet some of us treat our relationship with Jesus like this. We know just enough to enter into that relationship, and then we don't want to hear from him anymore. We don't really want to speak to him. We don't want to commune with him. And my question would be, well, are we actually abiding in Christ? Have we let the gospel transform our hearts so that we are now found in him? Because our overflow of God's love in us is a desire to commune with him. Our union is not based off our communion, but it's an overflow from our union. And I believe Jesus talks about this active part of our abiding in verses 7 to 10. He says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He turns from abide in me as I abide in you to, hey, abide in my word. And then he goes on to say, as the Father has loved me, so, I, uh, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So he goes from abide in me as I abide in you to abide in my word. Let my word abide in you. Abide in my love. But real quickly, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. That is an outrageous claim. As the, as the Father loves the Son in that perfect relationship of the Trinity, the Father God loves the Father the God the Son in that perfect relationship, that's how much God loves us. Like, do we understand that? If you have a question, how much does God love me? That's how much. As much as God the Father loves God the Son. There's actually a famous astronaut that most of us here would know. Uh, even the kids should know this famous astronaut. He's now a movie actor. In describing just how much God loves us, he said this, to infinity and beyond. That's how much the Father loves the Son. For those who didn't catch it, it's Buzz Lightyear. That is how much God loves us. As much as the Father 
loves the son. So let's abide in that love. And so as we look at these ways that Jesus outlines that communion with him, I think we see two primary things. One, that we need to be in God's word. And two, that we need to talk to God. We need to pray to God. We need to ask for things. And there are many other elements to our communion with Christ. But as Christians, we know these are are fundamental as we look through this passage. And so how do we approach the Bible in terms of abiding with Christ? Like how do we handle this book when it comes to abiding with Christ? Well, Colossians 3, 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so as Christians, we believe that this book is living and active, that we can know God through it, that we can meet God in it, that we can know his promises for our lives, that we can see his power and his goodness towards us. And so we come to the Bible, not just to tick a box for our little devotion time in the morning, but to meet with our creator, that he might meet with us through his living word. You know, there's no verse in the Bible that tells us to read the Bible. There's not one, no verse in there that says read your Bible. There are many verses that say study it, meditate on it, let it dwell in you, hide it in your heart. And so when we come to the Bible, we don't just come to the Bible just to know some things. But we come to God's word to meet God, to abide in God as he desires to meet with us. This is fundamental to our understanding of abiding, that we would be with Christ in his word. The Bible is also not our textbook, but a treasure. And so we need to study it. We need to learn about it. But as we do that, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and illuminate the truths into our hearts. See, some of us here just listen to the world and all the world says to us because it is screaming things at us that God isn't as good as he says he is, that he's not as trustworthy as he says he is, he's not as powerful as he says he is. And so we need to let God's word dwell in us richly to go, hey, no, actually, I can open God's words and actually he's more faithful than we think he is. He's more loving than we think he is. He's more powerful than we think he is. We need to dwell in God's word, let God's word dwell in us. I uh, first became a Christian. I approached the Bible as kind of a verse a day keeps the devil away. I don't know if you've heard of that, but that's how I kind of approached it. And I thought, you know, I've done my uh, daily verse. That's fine. But then I joined Bible college and I would say things probably got worse. I started to approach the Bible as a book to be mastered and some words to be understood. And yes, I knew that it was alive and active and I would not treat it that way though. And then as slowly the Holy Spirit started to reveal that actually this is God's word and he desires to speak to us through it. It changed how I read the Bible. I now came to the Bible to meet with Jesus. And as I opened it and read of his promises, like Jesus is telling me those promises again. And as I read through what God has done, as God has done, the Holy Spirit would then illuminate to me again, hey, yes, he is good. He is good. And I don't always do this perfectly. But when we open our Bibles, we, we come not just to tick a box, but to meet with Jesus, to commune with our creator out of joy, knowing that he loves us and that we are found in him and he in us. We also know this book isn't God, 
Although some of us like to think with Father, Son, and Holy Bible, right? Saw some faces, you're like, yeah, that sounds right. What's wrong with that? No, this book isn't God, but when we open it up, we get to meet God. And so next time you open the Bible, would you just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through it? That he might bring those words alive in your heart and in your mind. And then just rest and wait and be silent before the Lord. Because God desires to speak to us. And then as God's word abides in us, we'll begin to pray in line with his will. Charles Spurgeon says this, prayer is the natural outgushing of a soul in communion with Jesus. Prayer is a natural outgushing of a soul in communion with Jesus. As we walk with Jesus, as his word abides in us, we can't do anything but talk to him about it, but pray to him about it. Like I said earlier, I think prayer is one of the most outrageous truths of Christianity, that we can talk to God and he listens. And yet some of us, we don't know how to pray. We feel like we don't know how to pray. And so we avoid praying. Most of us are really good at asking for things. And last week we talked about that. That's great. We should come to God. We should ask. We should seek. We should knock. God desires that from us. He commands that of us. But when we pray, we should also just talk to God. Complain to God. I think, I think this is one of the best things we can do as Christians is complain to God. A lot of us think we're not allowed to complain to God. I don't know why. You complain to everybody else. God knows what you're thinking. Complain to God. I felt honestly like the last 12 to 18 months, I've just been complaining to God. Why, Lord? Why is this happening? I don't understand what is going on. And I don't think that's a bad thing. In fact, I think that's a great thing to do. As we read the Psalms, David over and over again is just complaining to God. Why, Lord? Where are you, God? What are you doing here, God? And he's described as a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he had an intimate relation. He had a communion with God. That he talked to him like a friend, talked to him like a father. And so some of us, next time you pray, just talk to God. Tell him what's happening in your day. Hey, Lord, that guy cut me off on the road and I'm really angry right now. Like the Lord knows. He gets it already. I don't have a chunk of time that I, that I set apart every day to pray. Even though sometimes I wish I did, I, it's hard for me to do. But what I do a lot throughout my day is drive. I drive a lot from shoot to shoot and from job to job, meeting to meeting. And so when I drive, I, I, drive, I use that as my time to pray. I pray coming from a meeting, going to a meeting. And for me, it helps me understand a life of continuous prayer. I'm just constantly talking. Sometimes I don't know what to say to the Lord and I'm like, hey, uh, what's going on, Lord? That was a rough meeting. Uh, I don't know if I should have said those things. Please, uh, Holy Spirit, do what you do best, right? And so it's just, I just pray like that. And so some of us, I think, hey, maybe that might work for you. Maybe try that. Just pray what you got. Talk to God. Continue to ask. Start complaining. Just open up that relationship. God desires to hear from you as he desires to speak to you. And I think as much as reading our Bibles to meet with God and praying to talk to God are fundamental to our communion in Christ, one of the other things I think is amazing for us as Christians is to do things that stir our love for Jesus. And this is different across the board. Things that stir your affections for Christ 
Things that when you do them, you go, oh yeah, God is good. And so for some of, that, some of us, that's just putting on some worship music. For other of us, that's getting together with a group of friends in fellowship. Some of us, that's eating a good steak. Going, thank you, Lord, for this great gift. For me, sometimes that's surfing. As I'm out in the water looking at his creation going, man, this is for me. Like, yes, God is good. I like movies, movies where someone does something good for someone else or the main character sacrifices himself. And as I watch that, I'm an emotional guy. And so I'll be tearing up, but as I'm tearing up, I'm thinking that's what Jesus did for us. He gave himself up for us. And so we are to do things that stir our love for Jesus. And so I encourage you, have a think over the next couple of days. What do I do that stirs my love for Jesus? And that's one way that we commune with God by abiding in his love for us. There are are many ways that we commune with God, definitely through his word and prayer, the two gifts he's given us. God wants us to see and remember how much he loves us, a daily contemplation of the gospel, what Christ has done for us on the cross, that our hearts might be filled again with joy, that we might run back to God and be like, you are good, thank you. It's what it means to abide in Christ, understanding our security in our union with Christ and then enjoying our communion with Christ. I think one of the things we probably need to stop doing is trying to be better Christians. Just stop trying to abide in the vine. Stop trying to be a better Christian. Some of us even this morning have probably heard this and the first thing they thought is, okay, I'm gonna get up a little bit earlier in the morning and do my devotion. I'm gonna make sure I pray every day. That's not what I'm saying. If that's your first response, then you've missed the point. Our union with Christ is one resting, resting in that union. And then our communion in Christ is enjoying the fact that we can relate, that we can be in a relationship with Jesus. These two things are how we abide in Christ. And so let's talk to God this week. Let's open the word and meet with God who desires to meet with us. And I want to finish with this because Jesus says that all of this that he's just said, everything about the branches and the vines and abiding in him, abiding in his word, abiding in his love is for this reason. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. All of these things that Jesus has just told us is for our joy. And when we understand this, Jesus is saying this to his disciples as he's going to the garden to be arrested. He knows he's about to be arrested and then killed. And his main concern here is the joy of those who follow him. This is our God. He doesn't want us to just do things for him, but he wants us to be with him and in that that we might have joy, and not just some joy, but joy to the full, an abundant life of joy in him. And this is actually why I love the disciple John. Because I think he, he got this more than anyone. As we see Jesus on the cross and all the disciples have left, it's just John standing there. He's like, oh, he just said, remain in him. You know, like, I'm confused, I'm scared. My, my Lord is dying in front of me. But I trust him. 
And so I'm going to remain in him. No matter what situation and circumstances going on around me, I'm going to remain in him. I'm going to abide in him. So I want to encourage us this morning, if you're a Christian, rest in your union with Christ. Rest in the fact that Jesus has saved you, that no sin, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, that you are found in him and he in you. And let that be the foundation for your communion with Christ as we come to Jesus joyfully, knowing as we pray, as we read, as we keep his commandments and follow him, as we abide in his love, that's our joy. That's for our joy, that our joy might be full. So let's be a people that are all for joy, that chase joy as we chase joy, we chase Christ, that we might open our eyes and meet with Jesus this morning. If you're not a Christian here this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to invite you to trust in Jesus to turn to Jesus because he desires to be with you. He desires to meet with you. He desires that you might know his love for you this morning. And then let's all be like John. Let's keep trusting in Jesus no matter what's going on around us. Some of us here this morning, we just need to rest in the, our union with Christ. Some of us need this morning want to enjoy our communion with Christ. And so let's continue to Place our trust in Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Walk with Jesus this morning. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others. But please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC. 